Hello, hello. Um, welcome back, everyone. Um, just want to say a massive hello to everybody in the room here at St. Saviour's, everybody watching on the live stream. And for the first time ever, we are going live to Stockwell. Woo! We're waving you at you, Stockwell, giving you some love. So welcome. Um, so my name is Lois, and I'm on the staff team here at KXC, and it's great to be um, here with you this afternoon. Um, and we're going to be continuing on our series called Songs from the Frontline, um, looking at the Psalms and looking at what does it look like to process all of life um, with God. Um, so for those of you who've been around the last few weeks will know um, we've kind of been in this, um, this different... Um, we've been looking at three different types of psalms. So psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of reorientation. And so for this week, we are in the midst of psalms of disorientation, which is basically looking at what does it like, look like to bring ourselves to God when life isn't going well. And so we're going to be looking at psalms of lament. Um, doesn't sound very cheery, but this is a gift to us. Um, so we are going to be diving into that. Um, so I'm going to ask the lovely Kirsty to come and read. I literally just thrust this on Kirsty now. So let's give her a round of applause. She's going to read to us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Well, Lois doesn't know. She's just asked a dyslexic to sight read. So let's give it a go. Okay. <laughs> Can't say no when Lois asks. All right. <laughs> How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Thank you, Kirsty. Round of applause for Kirsty. Beautifully read. Um, so before we kind of crack on, I'm just going to open in prayer. Um, so let's just, yeah, pray together. So Lord, we thank you um, for who you are. We thank you that you are the God of heaven, um, but you have made a way for us to have relationship with you. You've drawn, drawn close to each and every one of us. And so Holy Spirit, we just ask in this moment that you would open up our hearts, that we would receive the words that you want to speak to us today that you'd release us to worship you in a new way, in a wholehearted way today, Lord. We thank you for your presence. Amen. So Psalm 13, that's punchy, isn't it? That is a real talk psalm. Um, and I don't think I need to convince anybody in this room that um, life can be tricky. We've seen over the last few months um, with the pandemic um, that life can kind of throw all kinds of things at us. We've seen disease, we've seen death, we've seen suffering. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately the reality is that isn't just confined to the years 2020 and 2021. Life can bring with it real and genuine pain and suffering. And although we know and believe that that is not God's will for our lives, um, and we regularly say at KXC that God is on a mission to make all things new, and that there will be a day um, when all pain is gone, when all tears are wiped from our eyes, and suffering and pain will be a thing of the past. But the reality is, our present reality 
isn't that way. And scripture doesn't pretend um, that our present reality isn't full of struggles. There's a a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, um, which has this reoccurring phrase in it um, that talks about life being meaningless. Um, But the Hebrew word um, by which in our Bible is translated as meaningless is actually hevel, and basically communicates this sense that life is like vapor. Um, Essentially that we can't really get our heads around life that it's so uncertain you can grasp it you could try to grasp it you but you'll never be able to understand the mysteries of life how things can be kind of going great a normal one minute and then bam disaster strikes that is the reality of our lives but praise be to God we are not left to navigate the kind of ups and downs of life um, without God Um, and we've been given the gift of lament we've been given this gift um, to walk through life um, with God and so when I was thinking about this topic of lament the phrase that came to my head was speaking to God with your whole chest are you kind of familiar with that phrase here whole chest yeah Adelina you're nodding so the sense that actually we can come to God with all that is within us, without fear of um, implications, without having to bite our tongues, we can come to God in that place. And that is what lament is all about. And so we're really blessed that we get to see lament being used in action in the Psalms. We get to see it played out. And over half of the Psalms in the Bible um, are actually Psalms of lament or contain lament. So we have to kind of draw the conclusion that this is something that we need to grapple with as people that profess to love God and want to walk with him. This isn't something that we can just kind of put to the sideline and think maybe that's for some people. The gift of lament is for every single one of us. And even though as we read some of these Psalms, Um, It might feel like they're a little bit offensive at times using like really real language. Um, But what that tells us is that actually our grief, our pain, our confusion is something that we can bring fully into the presence of God. And actually there's something sacred and beautiful about doing that. Um, So we're going to dive in and look at a few of the Psalms and think about what we can learn um, about this gift of lament. So shooting back to Psalm 13, what we see is this classic, the classic ingredients of lament in this psalm. And what we see are the real emotions, what the psalmist is really feeling being brought into the presence of God. So in verse one, um, there's this sense of this feeling of being forgotten. In verse two, this sense that God is maybe hiding The fact that psalmist is wrestling with their thoughts. There's real and genuine questioning that's happening, but it's being directed fully towards God. And that kind of ends, the psalm lands with this revelation of the love of God and this re-engaged trust. And it's this unique combination um, that is lament. We have engagement with true emotion, with the reality of what's going on inside our minds and inside our hearts. But that's being fully orientated towards God. Our eyes wide open to the reality of our situation, but also looking to God. And you might actually lean more naturally towards one of those ends of things. Um, There are some people who are really brilliant at at acknowledging what's going on inside them, understanding their emotions and really giving them room to breathe. And I think um, actually these days in the year 2021, we are generally quite good at that. Um, I read a a quote recently from a woman called Stacey Abrams, woman who's credited with flipping Georgia in the um, 2020 presidential election in America. 
America. Um, and she was talking about the fact that she'd recent, well, in 2018, she'd lost the uh, governor election um, and was talking about how devastated she was about that. Um, and, but then she, she kind of was sharing about the fact that she sat the shiver um, for 10 days, which is this Jewish process of, of, of lamenting and grieving. And then she got back to plotting and thinking about the next election. And she was really open about the fact that she kind of grieved that loss before going forward. And maybe you're in that category, maybe you're one of those people um, that for you, you're actually not at a loss to understand what you're feeling. And I think the question to you today um, is to ask yourself and discern with the Holy Spirit, are you bringing those emotions, those thoughts, those feelings to God? Because there are all kinds of avenues that we can take with those feelings. But the encouragement of lament is to bring them fully into the presence of God. Or maybe you're on the flip side, and I would definitely count myself in this category. Um, and it's almost in looking at Psalm 13, you're kind of in a rush to get to the verse 5 and verse 6, that proclamation of who God is, um, acknowledging his love, um, to the expense of drowning out the reality of what's going on within you. But it's those two things together that make up this gift of lament. We see it in black and white all over scripture that God doesn't just invite us into it. He welcomes this gift. He welcomes us using this gift. And we see that in other Psalms. There's a Psalm of uh, lament at sin um, called Psalm 51, um, where the Psalmist says in verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. But it's not just in the Psalms. We see it. Jesus affirms it. Um, he tells a story of two men praying in Luke 18, verse 10 to 14. He paints this picture of two different people praying. The first is a Pharisee who prays like this. God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. And then it kind of zooms in on the second person praying who's a tax collector. And it says, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. It was the man who laid out his sorrow, the man who brought his sin in honesty before God, turning towards God despite his shame. It was him, it was his prayer that pleased God. So this is what we see in Psalm 13, this idea of bringing the truth of what is going on within us, all of the emotions into the presence of God with eyes lifted up at God. But also we learn from the Psalms um, that lament is not something that is censored. So if we turn to Psalm 77, verses 7 to 9, um, which will probably come up on the screen, these are the questions that the psalmist is lifting to God in their lament. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has his anger withheld his compassion? This is in the Bible. There is no caveat to these questions. They're not polite. There's no like, oh, maybe, maybe this. It's like fully in questioning on God with these unvarnished prayers. 
And this has been a really big journey for me as I've been trying to engage more uh, with this gift of lament. Because if I'm honest, for a long time, I think I had this underlying thought um, that when I prayed, um, there were definitely certain things that I should be praying and definitely certain things that I shouldn't be praying. And things like questions and doubts and anger and sadness were just not part of my vocabulary of prayer because I just didn't think it was an appropriate thing to bring to God. You know, like sometimes when um, you're, you're with someone, they're wearing a new dress, and they're like, what do you think of this dress? Um, and there's what you really think, and then there's what you think they want you to say. That was like me with my prayers. I was like, I know what I think I want you, you want me to say, God, and that's what I was praying. And that really came to a head for me um, when I was actually in the process um, of grieving the loss of my mum. I lost her really suddenly when I was 20 um, and it was obviously an incredibly painful time for me and left me reeling with all kinds of questions and feeling a whole lot about the whole thing. And I had amazing friends um, who made so much space for me to kind of um, talk about what was going on for me. But I always had this feeling that I was actually kind of like bumming them out. You know, like if someone's like merrily going through their day and then you're like, this is what I'm really feeling. This is what's going on for me. And I just didn't really feel like I could do that. And I remember a friend saying to me that um, God didn't need me to defend him that he wouldn't be embarrassed or offended by my pain and that actually he could handle the real things that were going on within me. He could handle the anger that I felt at losing my mum. He could handle the confusion that I felt at losing my mum. And this was like, honestly, like a revelationary thought for me. And I remember one time going down to the beach. I went to Union Brighton, which was lovely. And um, going down to the beach and, um, and literally like screaming my heart out at all the things that were going on inside me and just praying that to God in a way that I'd never done before. And it was honestly like a... The, yeah, just like the biggest release for me. And, and obviously, I'm not going to pretend that doing that made everything right. And after that, I was fine. Obviously, that's not the case. But it was this new freedom that I had in praying to God the real things that were within me. I learned that God could handle it and that censoring was not part of the deal of prayer. And don't just take that from me, from my experience. We see this in scripture as well. One of my favorite moments in scripture is um, found in John 11, and it's the story of um, the death of Lazarus. I won't give you a spoiler as to what happens. It's a great story. Go away and read it. Um, but it starts with these two sisters, Martha and Mary, um, and they send a message out to Jesus to say, come and heal our brother because he's dying. And Jesus delays. He kind of gets there, um, but it's after Lazarus has died, and obviously his sisters are devastated. And the first thing we read in scripture that the sisters say to him when they greet Jesus is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. No biting the tongue, no censoring, just the real feelings of what is going on for them. But not only is this uncensored prayer found in Jesus's react, uh, interactions with others, we also see it in his interaction with his father, we read it um, in, in the book of Mark, just before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays this prayer. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. What greater reassurance could we have that it's okay to bring our questions, ask why, to plead the genuine things going on within us than that? 
And it's in this space, this place of lament, that God invites us, free of the judgments of actually whether what we're praying is right or wrong, but to bring that, bring the fullness of that into his presence uncensored. But the reality is that lament isn't just about expressing ourselves to God, although it is definitely about that, but it's not just about that. It's also about intimacy with God. Um, And Pete Gred has a book called God on Mute, which is about um, unanswered prayer. Um, And it has this quote in it. Lamenting is more than a technique for venting emotion. It is one of the fruits of a deepening spiritual life that has learned to stand naked before God without shame or pretense. Honest lament can express a vibrant faith, one that has learned to embrace life's hardships as well as its joys and to lift everything, everything to the Father in prayer. Lament is actually the fruit of an intimate relationship with God. And I think that's actually why it can feel a bit uncomfortable when we're reading the Psalms of Lament, because it's, it's bold and it's audacious, it's real, and it speaks of this real intimate relationship between the writer and God. And the writer is able to do this because the writer knows of the truth of the covenant between themselves and God to the extent that absolutely everything is on the table. There's nothing that is hidden And we see this in the Psalms, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all thrown into the mix in prayer. And not only is intimacy the basis of this type of prayer, but it also cultivates it. So looking at Psalm 35, an example, it says this, Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armour, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them talk about ugly that is real talk the the, it's a far cry from the whole thing of loving your enemies but part of the process of relationship with God is actually to let God have access to the parts of us the ugly parts of us um, that we might choose to hide and knowing that his lordship actually extends to them and let him have room to speak into them So as we lament, we bring those hidden parts of ourselves into the light of God's presence. Lament gives us the opportunity to uncover the things that we would ordinarily want to cover and the emotions that would drive us away from God and allow them to drive us to God. And that is incredibly uncomfortable. And I'd love to ask you the question, are there parts of your life, are there things within your heart that you're holding back access to God? because you want to hide them. I know for my life that disappointment is something that um, I often find really difficult to show to anyone, let alone to God. And I remember not too long ago, um, we went on a staff to retreat um, and we had to ask this like, answer, this agonising question, um, which was where is life hurting at the moment? And we kind of had to break into groups and kind of share that with a few other people. 
um, which was agony for me because I really didn't want to share that. Um, but so um, I shared it with my group um, and the lovely Neha, who I saw over there, hey, um, had, a, had a picture for me um, where she said that she had a sense that God just wanted me to, to throw my disappointment at God. And what I had been struggling with at the time um, was my sister had, my younger sister had very, very recently got married and I was really dealing with the sting of being alone and the sting of singleness. Um, and so that was what I shared with the group. And that was the encouragement to just really throw that at God, throw that disappointment at God um, without kind of biting my tongue about it. Um, and so um, we, we were kind of closing and um, they were praying for me um, and just invited the spirit to come, just invited the presence of God. Um, and then I just started to cry. But I'm not talking like a one glistening tear. I'm talking like real full on. I'm not joking, am I? It was, it was loud. Real, like a guttural cry from within me. It was like this wordless prayer of disappointment that I tried to shove down and keep down was finally given room um, in God's presence, given voice to come out. And so when we lament, we appeal to our God on the basis of his character, on the basis of the fact that he is our loving father. And, and when I kind of reflected on that, um, on what had gone on there for me, um, I just had a sense that, um, yeah, that prayer was able to be released because I was in the arms of my loving father um, and I was able to let that cry out. And I recently heard, uh, read something from um, a guy called Dr. Russell Moore, and who tells this story of going to an orphanage in Russia. Um, he visited as the part of um, going through the process of adoption. And he tells this story about wandering through the orphanage um, and being really struck by the eerie silence that was um, in the place um, because none of the babies were crying. And he kind of talks to this person who was showing him around about it. Um, and he was reflecting that those babies weren't crying because they didn't need anything, but they weren't crying because they'd learned that no one was going to answer their cries. And children who were kind of confident um, in their caregiver answering them were the ones that were able to cry, and that's why those um, children in the orphanage weren't able to do that. We are those with the ultimate caregiver, with the one who loves us so much and who is able to meet all of our needs. And he wants to hear the cries of our hearts. We need to be those that know and take hold of the fact that God wants to hear the cries of our hearts. He wants us to come wholeheartedly to him. And so there are going to be moments when lament is the appropriate prayer to pray there are going to be times when we need to do that. And we need to remember that lament is actually not at odds with intimacy with God. It's the foundation of intimacy with God. And as we lament, we learn to be those who refuse to let our instincts, that maybe we want to hide, we want to come away from God, we refuse to let that happen. And we allow those emotions to drive us back towards God and to let the worst of us be brought into his presence, knowing that he loves us, he sees it all, um, and will draw us into his embrace. So we've established that lament is something that enables us to be real with God, to bring the reality of what's going on with us to God. It's about intimacy. It's founded on intimacy, but it also reinforces intimacy. But it's also about more than that. It's about actively asking God to move in our lives. And again, this is really clear in the Psalms. And whereas it might be easy to think that lament is maybe this passive, self-indulgent thing, 
It's actually something that is an active choice that pushes us away from apathy and away from hopelessness into stepping in and participating. Because the basis of why we lament is that we know that actually we're calling out to a God who is able to change things. And we can actively pray for his kingdom to come, whether that's about things going on in our lives or things going on in the, friend, in the lives of our friends and our loved ones or things going on in the world. And we can engage those feelings, but also allow them to be fuel for the fire of our prayers. We see this in Psalm 79, which I'll read to you from verse five. It says this, how long, Lord, will you be angry forever? How long will your jealousy burn like a fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not call on your name, for they devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Do not hold against us the sins of past generations. May your mercy come quickly to us, for we are in desperate need. Help us, God our Saviour, for, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins, for the nations say, where is your God? And what we see is rather than being left in this place of being overwhelmed um, by what's going on, whether that's disasters or whether that's things going on in our personal lives or injustice or anything, rather than being paralysed by those things, we can actually engage with the realness and rawness of what is going on within us, but turn that to prayer. And the lovely Emma did a fantastic talk last week all about intercession, which goes into so much more detail on what it looks like to intercede. So do listen to that if you haven't done so. But for our purposes today, it's important for us to remember that we can actually wrestle with the pain of what's going on within us and the world, standing before God, knowing who he is, knowing how he feels about us, knowing that he's in covenant relationship with us, and ask him to act. It's an amazing thing that we get to ask God to act. So lament is this incredible gift of uncensored, intimate prayer, of this offering of pouring out the reality of what is going on within us to God. Telling him not what we think he wants to hear, but what is genuinely going on within us and knowing that he invites this, he welcomes it. And so um, there was a song that um, I'd love to play, but I'll just read the lyrics to you um, that really encapsulates this sense of lament. And it was actually written by this uh, Irishman um, who lost his fiancée the day before they got married, which is absolutely tragic. Um, but this was what he wrote. He wrote. This was his um, prayer of lament. It says this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's friendship with God that is being offered up to us with this gift of lament because he loves us so much. It's such a, it feels like such an obvious thing to say. It can sometimes feel like water off a duck's back. But that's the truth for every single one of us in this room, that God loves us, and his love makes room for us to bring our whole hearts before him. He wants to bring us to bring the cries of our hearts right into his presence, whether that's for ourselves or other people or for the world, those things that are weighing us down 
and we don't need to pretend. He wants us to speak to him with, his, with our whole chest. <laughs> 